0: All right, hey, let's ask that question again. Tonight we're dealing with the topic of dealing with, hey, temptation, that's exciting. How many guys can read that? In the side, Hey, one person, praise God, that's awesome. That's right, on page 87 of your workbook is where we're at, uh, at least just to recap. And we saw it there last time, if you recall, was uh, dealing with temptation. And uh, we saw what was in, uh, temptation? It is an enticement to sin. And we saw the breakdown between two things there. And that's the issue of tempt and test. God will test, but he'll never tempt because that's an enticement to sin. And that's what we saw in our text last time. And then we kind of left off with, all right, well, how does it happen then in the negative sense? Uh, Where does all this temptation come from? And what we saw is there's three sources, four if you wanna break one of them down, but whatever, uh, is the issue. And the one that we got to deal with last time was the source of the world, okay? Now, dare I add uh, this word too. This is the wicked world system, the cosmos, that which is evil. Everything in this wicked world system vies for our attention, tries to get us to entice us to sin, uh, to do anything and everything but look like Jesus Christ, act like Jesus Christ, uh, behave like Jesus Christ. Everything in this wicked world system. It's not just a world, it's a system, but it's wicked. And we saw last time, the and hopefully it was would leave a... a uh, A sick taste in our mouth. It's like, when you see how evil this wicked world is, that we would dare play with it. And we kind of left off with some stinging passages from the scripture. And James certainly talked about that. says, listen, this is no small deal. When we're sitting there and we're loving this world and the things of this world, in essence, you could say you love God all you want, but the love of the Father's not in you. That's some strong words that John talks about. And then James, I believe, says, listen, when you are constantly living in the world, you're just thinking about the world. You're a worldly Christian. It's, oh, hey, it's everybody's doing it. Not that big of a deal. You're not struggling with sin. You're not praying and asking God, help me to deal with sin. I want to walk in holiness. That's the furthest thing from your mind. You're in this playground. James says, man, you better knock it off because you're acting like an enemy of God. That's what we gotta deal with. Now listen, here's why it's such a struggle. This is why we got to deal with this. That's just one source. Every day we get up, man, every single day, it's not just one enemy we gotta fight with, we have to fight a battle on three fronts, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, we get into the next one, and that is simply called our flesh. Now, can I translate the word for you tonight? Flesh, that's one of those Christianese words, right? Yes, Byron. That's right. Let's talk about the righteousness of the sanctification. In in fact, John, if we get time, we'll talk about the hypostatic union of the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly it. That's Christianese. We talk a good talk, but it's like what? Uh huh. And we do that same thing. Uh huh. Yeah. What are we saying? Yeah. What And we have no clue. Now, the flesh, I really think, is one of those things, and I'm going to break it down for you tonight. That's the old man. Or if you're a lady, a hey, whoa man, okay, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's the old you, okay? Let me break it down. The old you, okay? Now that's because we saw before when you got saved, you were a tripart being. You we're a spirit, we're a soul and we're a body, now your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's your, your deal. This is that which was dead, cut off from God, this is what gives us that connection with God, God is spirit, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, so we became born again, born from above, is what the word means, it means you became spiritually alive, but at the same time, you didn't just become spiritually alive, you became a new creature, new creation, a new you, Okay, and I belabor this point because the enemy is going to get you to think, especially when it comes to this second in enemy, and this one's the internal one, by the way. Okay, this is the external one. Okay, but th- he's going to think that that's still you. When temptation comes and you get sucked into it and you go down that route, oh, it's horrible, how could I? It's not you. The real you has been now, it's made anew. It's, it's uh, two different words there in the... Uh, The Greek, there's kainos and there's neos, okay? The one that's used there for a new creature, a new creation in Christ, literally means a new species. It's not just a new pair of pants, you've literally become a new species. You and I as a born-again Christian, okay, are completely brand new. We want to, the real us now, the us that will continue on forever in heaven, okay, wants to please God wants to live a holy life, okay? That's the new us, the new creation, okay? That's the part of us that, that when, when the Spirit prompts us to walk and live and go this way and do this and, and witness and tell that person about Jesus and stay away from that, that's the new us and that part of us goes, yes, I wanna do that. But if you notice, there's somebody else in there. That's what the Bible calls the flesh. Some translations say sin nature, but listen, who it is is the old man or the old Jew. Now, let me explain a little dilemma. Remember, you go, that sounds kind of weird. It's like we got like some split personality going on. sorta in the spiritual realm, okay? The Bible says that this flesh nature, okay, has no power over us. You are no longer slaves to sin. Okay. And then you go, well, if if I'm a new me created in Christ Jesus to do good works and God's given me everything for life and godliness. And if I just walk and live and keep in step with the spirit and and do what the new me desires to do, and God has given me the ability to do via his spirit, why do I still hear this other voice? Isn't that me? No, it's the old you. Let me draw a distinction for you. For years, I didn't get this. Okay. In the scripture, it's like, well, that's gotta be me. I mean, that was me. No, it's the old me. So how can you have the new me and the old me? Let me give you an analogy that came to me one day that at least works for me, and I think it's scripturally. I call it, if you will, the ghost voice, or if you will, it's kind of like a phantom version of you, okay, Okay, and I use this analogy, like let's say that you're in your bedroom and you're just you and your own thoughts and your own thing, and all of a sudden you hear this voice, hey, John, go over here and go rob that 7-Eleven, John, and you actually hear that voice, right, okay, now, uh, and maybe you can actually see an apparition or something, whatever. Okay, but you realize, listen, that's not me. I mean, that looks like me. It's a kind of a carbon copy of me. It even sounds like me, but that's a phantom. That's not, that's not real. That's, a, that's a, it's a ghost voice. That's not, you see what I'm saying? When the Bible says that the old you was, was uh, uh, in in Christ it was went to the uh, on the cross and died, and that's you it's not you. The reason why you still hear it is because it's a if you will ghost voice or a phantom voice. But that's not you. So that explains why even though you're a new creation in Christ Jesus and you want to obey God, you still hear this oh, okay out there. But that's not you anymore. That's the dead you. Okay, that's the old you. That's the flesh you. Okay. And I'm telling you, you've got to understand the distinction because the enemy's gonna get you to come in and if you don't understand who you are in Christ, that the real you, the new you, the you right now as a born again Christian who's gonna exist forever in heaven, wants to obey God. And the other one that's tempting you to go in the opposite direction, sounds like you, looks like you, but it's the old you who's dead now. You have to make that distinction. Because if you think that's still you, you're going to think you have to do it. And half the battle in dealing with temptation, I've learned, is to know that you don't have to sin. God's given us the ability, via his spirit, to not sin. That's not me anymore, I can just say no. I don't have to, this is why I'm not big on terms used today, like recovery, okay, with all due respect. Because we already have the victory in Jesus Christ. We do not operate as Christians from a position of defeat. We operate from a position of victory. It's already complete in Christ. I don't have to. I am not recovering this or recovering that. I am a born again Christian created new in Christ Jesus. I just have to learn how to walk in the spirit because the real me, the new me, loves God, wants to obey God, and I trust him when he says he's given me everything I need to do so. You walk in faith in that. It's a position of victory, not of defeat. When we get to heaven, do you think God is gonna introduce us? Hi, this is my, my uh, 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 daughter, Shirley, okay? And, and she's recovering this and that and all this and that, and she's, you know, she all Are you kidding me? This is my beloved daughter, Shirley. God doesn't slap those labels on us. What are we still walking around here? And I'm telling you, it's because we don't understand who we are in Christ. The flesh, the sin nature, the old you is not you. You have to understand that because if you still think that's you, I'm telling you right then and there, you already lost. You will struggle in your own strength. You will not rely in dependency upon God and you will continue to do that sin. But when you stand in victory that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, that there's no way I have to do this and I stand on the word of God that tells me so. Case closed, that's how you deal with temptation. Now let's deal with that issue, the temptation of the flesh. Again, when you see that in the scripture, flesh, sin, nature, old you. put that in your brain. That's not me anymore. I still hear it because it's kind of like a ghost voice. Ooh, but that's not me. I don't have to do it. I'm telling you, it helps you start to move and deal with temptation from a position of victory, not of defeat. Okay, you don't have to, okay? Paul's letter to Galatian believers states the following, but I say, walk by the spirit, okay the new you wants to do that god's given you his spirit you can do that so if you do do that what's he say you will not it's an absolute you will not carry out the desire of the who the old you the phantom voice if you will the old you sets this desire against the spirit and the spirit against the old you for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please okay the greek word translated flesh here is sarx and schaefer states of the word when, using, uh, su- when sustaining an ethical significance, which it is in our passage, uh, refers to that part of a man which, uh, because of the fall, is opposed to God and to holiness. It is a fallen nature, is your blank there. It's a fallen nature, which though expressing itself through the deeds of the body, is nevertheless to be identified as that which is what? Immaterial. Do you get it? That's not you. It's just, if you will, okay, you're still going to hear it. It's like those creepy, weird movies, you know, they have the ghost, Okay, it's immaterial, it's not you. You don't have to do it. A ghost comes up to you, hey, you need to do this. Okay, I have to. No. And I don't have time to go into the whole issue of the ghost, that's Hollywood's version. The biblical version is if there's a apparition, it's a demonic apparition, et cetera, blah, 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 but I'm just using that by way of analogy to get that hopefully in your brain, so you can work with it. It's a fallen nature which though expressing itself through the deeds of the body is nevertheless, To be identified is that which is immaterial and related to the material only as all that is immaterial is resident in and expressed through the material. And that's right. Next lesson is going to be who's on first, uh, what's on second, and man, what did he just say on third? Okay, but anyway, (laughs) anyway, so uh, the flesh here is the fallen nature, next blank. Hell is a mouthful. The fallen nature we inherit from Adam and that has a natural bent towards sin. We're all born with such a nature. You don't become a sinner. You're born that way, okay? Uh, Paul expressed his struggle with the flesh or the old Paul, if you will, okay? In Romans chapter seven, said that I know that nothing good dwells in me, the old me, okay? That is in my flesh, the old me. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. The old man does not have the ability to do it, but the new you does. You get it? That's the victory, okay, that we have. When we become Christians, we are said to have died to sin. Paul goes on to explain that this death to sin means that we are no longer, listen to this, memorize this verse, we are no longer slaves to sin. If I'm not a slave to sin, why am I not in a constant state of recovery? That's a slave statement. I am not recovering, I have the victory in Jesus Christ. I just have to walk in it, I have to trust God in it. We don't doubt when it comes to eternal security, we stand on that without sleeping. The same Bible says, I am no longer slave to sin. That should be one of the greatest, biggest bumper stickers in the world, right? We spend so much time in counseling and this and that, and I'm not against it per se, but we spend so much time and people, listen, you've been freed from that. Walk in it. You have to understand who you are in Christ. Jesus did not just save us from the penalty of sin, namely hell. We get that one. We do know that one day when we die or the rapture occurs, whatever's first, we are going to be rescued from this place of sin, this wicked world system. Praise God. But the Bible is clear. The third P, for those of you who need a sermon desperately, and here's your three points. Okay, he's also saved us from the power of sin. I'm not a slave anymore to it. That's awesome, do you get it? We get this one, we get this one, but this is the, like the third missing victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross and because we don't get it as Christians, I think that's why we muddle so much. And we're in that con- uh, quandary, it's like I wanna obey God, we're still stuck with Paul and we don't understand, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus has won all, all three for us, not just two. And we walk in that. Okay, temptation from the devil Okay, is the next one. Okay, over here, we'll put it in here. Temptation from the devil. Now, I I need to belabor this point. It used to be up at the upper 40s, but now, that's right, current statistics, those who profess to be Christians, uh, 65% of Christians do not believe what we're about to discuss. They don't believe the devil's real. That's the stat. Can you believe that? Here's what it is. The third source of temptation we see in the scripture is of the devil, or demons, or demons. Okay, Paul states this in Ephesians 12, for our struggle is not just against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, okay? The Greek word there translated struggle was a word that referred uh, uh, particularly to a hand-to-hand fight. This is serious, okay, listen. And it was a sport that was, quote, characterized by, it wasn't just hand-to-hand fight, but it was a sport that was characterized by trickery, cunningness, and strategy. When I lived in Nebraska growing up in Midwest, uh, for a couple years I got into wrestling. Yes, I was in the 35-pound weight, but let's not go there. But, uh, <laughs> But hey, we were inside. The wind couldn't blow me away. But anyway, but, uh, anyway so but in wrestling, you learn these maneuvers. Then it's, all about, it's not just hand-to-hand. You're gonna have that. But it's all about getting the right position when it's trickery and you're watching them. You're just waiting for them. You, you set them up at this step and you pull them over there and you slap them over and do all that stuff. And that's what he's talking about. This is the, the one that 65% of the church doesn't even believe in. This is going on. And then we wonder why we're being slammed to the mat so many times. I'm so stinking excited about this study we're in with the final countdown thing i got stuff stacking up. I'm not even there yet. I'm talking about what's going on. I'm dealing right now in my notes. I'm trying to work ahead because <laughs> it's a massive undertaking uh, on the apostasy of the church. And I've got, guys, I've got stuff that's going on in the church today. It's, 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 the enemy is, is whooping up on us. Witches. Witches are infiltrating churches on purpose. They're purposely getting into positions of power just to take the churches down. And yet we don't even believe in this. And it's happening all over the world. It's a hand-to-hand struggle. Paul uses kind of the same analogy back when it comes to uh, the flesh. He says, I beat my body black and blue. He uses a boxing term. And so he's saying, listen, I gotta go to this hand-to-hand struggle with the enemy uh, every single day, the, the wicked one. And at the same time, I'm, I'm saying no to that stupid phantom voice, that old Paul. That I'm, I'm going I'm him up into submission. That's a fight. You want to deal with temptation? you better have that mentality. We're in a fight, we're in a battle, we're in a war. This is not a cakewalk. If you want to walk in holiness, we have to fight a battle on three fronts all at the same time, seven days a week. Okay, let's continue on. He says this, I love this. He says, in this passage, we are exhorted to put on the full armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, the word there, schemes of the devil, is methodea, okay? And that's where we get the word kind of method or methodology or stuff like that. And so what this tells us, guys, is it's isn't just something that he's just like, hey, I'm just going to whip this up on the spot. <laughs> he slowly, methodically is trying to set us up, as well as struggle with us and trick us and flip us and smack us. He is slowly, methodically setting us up. He's like 18 steps ahead of us in a chess game, is what he's going on. The one that 65% of the church doesn't even believe in and we wonder why things are going down the tubes with a, with a lot of, of Christians and churches today, not making much of an impact. We're getting slammed to the mat. Uh, um, Adrian Rogers, I think he made the statement, and he had said that the devil is so wicked, so evil, so cunning, that if it, even, if it takes him 40 years just to set you up, to bring you down, he'll do it. 40 years, that's exactly what that word means, methodia, Slowly, methodically. Little by here, you so see, you don't hardly even perceive it, but then extrapolate that with time, and the next thing, bang! The whole thing was a setup, carefully over 40 years, and that's what we're going to get to. If we get that far, you better be alert. <laughs> it's one of the ways you deal with it. Okay, let's continue on. Uttermost device and power of Satan, Shaver says, is not inspired by any enmity, enmity against regenerate men as such. His enmity is against God, and it has been since the fall and against the believer only on the ground that he has partaken of the divine nature. Divine nature is your next blank because we have been made alive uh, with the spirit of God. Okay, The fiery darts of the wicked one are aimed at God alone. Mm, yeah, but practically it is at us. I see his point though. Uh, the, to possess the priceless indwelling presence of the divine nature is to become so identified, it's your next blank, identified with God, that his enemy becomes the enemy of the one who is saved. And that's why Peter says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around about looking for someone uh, seeking whom he can devour, okay? This is, as we saw before, his way, if you will, to get back at God. God loves us, we're his children, right? Hey, if your kid went over and unfortunately got in some trouble and And uh, caused some ruckus in the community, and you had to go down to the jail, and uh, they bailed him out, and uh, it made the newspapers. How does that make you feel? You love your kid, and wish they wouldn't have done it, but now the cat's out of the bag. It just kind of brings shame on the family, doesn't it? That's what he's doing with us. We're supposed to be walking around looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, and when we don't, we're bringing shame on the family of God. God loves us, but this is the way the enemy can use us to get back, if you will, at God, okay? Let's continue on. Is temptation sin? Well, that's a good question, Debbie. Thank you for asking. Uh, how many times do we as Christians ask this question in our lives? Let's take a look at the scripture. In Hebrews, we read a very interesting verse. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but the one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, okay? Okay? So the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is intercession as a high priest. And he says that Jesus can be sympathetic since he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Now here's the point. It's the same Greek word we saw last time if you were in the study. Uh, peradzo and dakimazo, remember that? And the peradzo is the one that's used of the devil for enticement to sin. It's the same one that's here. He was tempted to in- sin, not a test from God. He was tempted to sin, yet he was without sin. So Jesus was enticed to sin, but he never fell. So temptation, therefore, is what? It's not a sin in and of itself. And that's another thing the enemy will get. Even if you experience victory, he'll try to get you like, well, how could you even think that? How could you even? You didn't do it, but you start going down that lie. Oh, by the way, that's not me. Yeah, the reason why that was going through my brain is that's not me. The new me loves Jesus Christ. The new me walks in victory in Jesus Christ. The old me, that's where I came from, but that's not me. Okay, or the wicked world or the enemy. Yeah, real quick. Well, he, what he says there in the passage, he says that if you've lusted in your heart, okay, Uh, with your eye, you've already lusted in your heart. Okay, it's it's already a conclusion. He knows the heart. Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay, this is just talking about the act of temptation. Somebody comes up and says, hey, uh, 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 John, go rob that 7-Eleven. Bang. Are you kidding me? I ain't going there. He didn't sin. That was a temptation. All right, now if he sits there and for the next five minutes he starts, yeah, you know what, the next thing you know, Okay, so if I got Ruth involved, okay, she can drive the truck, okay, then I'll get the dog, I'll bring the dog with us, man, because that's the ultimate distraction. He's a little ankle-biter guy, like Pastor Billy's wiener dogs, and we'll get him in there, and they'll cause a ruckus, and cause a scene, and then I'll do that. (laughs) Well, you didn't do it, but at that point, you're starting to, in your heart, you know what I'm saying? So, but just the thought of itself, uh, he's not saying yes very quickly. Yeah, but that's a classic one. Anyway, but anyway, that's right. You can get a, no, I'm not even going there. (laughs) Anyway, so let's continue on. It's not sin, okay? Uh, And uh, in fact, Paul assures the Christian believers, this is again, a position of victory. Listen, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is what? Faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what? You are able. Why? Because the new you loves God, wants to obey God, and he's given you his spirit to pull it off. You don't have to, okay? And he says, but with the temptation, he, he will what? He's gonna provide a way of escape also that you may be able to endure. it. You're not, you don't have to. You got it? There's always a way out, okay? This word, again, with all due respect, that's not saying I've got a way out. It keeps you under it. I'm always gonna be. No, you're not. In Christ Jesus, your new creation created to him. You have freedom in him. You just need to learn to walk in him, okay? And stand on God's word, okay? Let's continue on. Every one of us will be tempted to sin and whatever type of temptation it is. Others have faced it, okay? In every case, though, God will provide a way of escape so that we don't have to fall uh, into that temptation. In James' epistle, he gives us a step-by-step description of how temptation leads to sin and death. And in dealing with temptation, we ultimately make a choice to sin, Or to obey, your next page there at the top, of page 90, obey. Okay. Although the world and the devil are outside sources of temptation, it's our own inner lust. Again, translate that, it's the old you. Okay, that's the ultimate source of temptation. Why do we even uh, start going down the route listening to the temptations coming from the demons or the devil? Why do we even have an enticement starts to work on us when it comes from this wicked world system? Because of the old you but it doesn't even have to be a struggle. I remember one author says, the moment you start to struggle with sin, you're lost. Because that's a sign that you're still trying to pull it off in your own strength. You literally stand in the truth of God's word, no. That is not me, I love Jesus Christ, I am his child and he's given me his spirit. Name one sin that Jesus Christ had to commit, zero. We have the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit inside of us. So name one sin that we have to commit. Zero, that's the victory. Listen, guys, it's not just he saved us from the penalty of sin, this place of sin, but it's also the power of sin. It's like the missing doctrine in the church, okay? It's great news, okay? And so it says this, uh, Ronald Blue comments, the source of temptation as a result of our sin nature, the old Jew, is from within a person. But remember, it's not you. Right, AJ? You like that one? We have to get some special effects on that. <laughs> anyway, so it's the old Jew in uh, its own evil desire, lust or inner craving. You're dragged away, you're enticed. The inner craving draws a person out like a fish drawn from its hiding place and then entices him, delia or the verb delazo, to bait, to catch a fish with bait or hunt and snare. So a person builds, the old Jew builds and baits his own trap. Fall into temptation, progresses from craving, uh, many times creating curiosity, this enticement, conception to sin, uh, which is the choice to give into it, then birth to it, the actual sin, and the end result is spiritual poverty and moral, sometimes physical death. What? Remember, we, we, we've said this so many times, guys. Who are we dealing with? Well, oh, that 65% of professing born-again Christians don't even believe him. Uh, the devil, who's not just a liar, who we don't just have to go this hand-to-hand combat, who not least slowly, methodically is setting this up 18 steps ahead. He's been kicking around for 6,000 years. He knows this, guys. This is who we have to deal with. But listen, Jesus gives the victory. We don't have to worry, okay? But who are we dealing with? That's who we're dealing with here. And this is what he wants to do. Ultimately, we saw his character isn't just a liar. He's a murderer. And so ultimately, it's not just, to, if you will, get back at God by getting us to act like him and therefore bring shame on the family of God or the name of God. If he can, he will murder you. Think about it. We've talked about this before. The temptation to go out there and get absolutely slovenly drunk could lead to death, your own and or the death of other people. The temptation to get absolutely out of control with rage could lead to what? Somebody else's death or your own death or something horrible. You hear what I'm saying? The temptation to uh, 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 live immorally, commit fornication, uh, do what the world says to do when it comes to lust. He's probably sitting there going, I hope they get AIDS. Hope they get some STD. Hope they get some sort of disease. And then they just start to pass. That's what we're dealing with here. That's what he wants to do, okay? Is there a purpose for temptation? Realizing that God has all power, we know that he could easily have destroyed the evil world system that developed after the fall uh, of sin, uh, man into sin. He could have just easily destroyed Satan, you're blank there, destroy. when he regenerated us. He could have destroyed our sin nature, could have completely got rid of, ooh, let's try that. Ready? One, two, three. You guys really did it. I can't believe it. Anyway, uh, it's on video too. Woo. All right. Uh, I feel close to you, man. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he could have destroyed the, woo, the old you, the sin nature, okay? And created in us uh, uh, the pre-fall Adamic nature, which had no bent towards him, okay? These were all possible with an omnipotent God, but he, he chose not to do any of these things. And as a result, we will struggle with temptation... And again, I would say the struggle there, it's we need to learn to deal with it from a position of victory in Christ, not from defeat, okay? And we, we will we'll deal with that uh, as long as we live on this earth. But why has God allowed this environment where we are continually tempted? Is there some purpose for allowing this? Although we may not be able to fully answer these questions, I've got some answers, uh, the Bible does not give us the reasons behind God's allowing temptation in our lives. I'll give you one. What do you expect if you really want to have a relationship with God? Because what comes with that is the ability to make a choice, okay? And you have to have that ability, okay, uh, to make a choice, i.e. to say a true yes or say a true no, okay, if you're gonna have a relationship, a loving relationship, If God just said that we were only going to say yes all the time this side of heaven, is that really a loving relationship? Is that a reciprocated relationship? I have two children. Yes, I have two children. I'm just making sure. No, I have two children and uh, I'm their father. I will always be their uh, father. They're always going to be my children. But at what point does it become a loving relationship? When they, of their own volition, say, yes, I want to love Papa back in return, right? If I made them love me, Right? So I will say one thing, the reason why we still got this battle going where we, every day, because every day, the, Paul says, Romans 6, you, you can, are you going to be an instrument of wickedness or an instrument of righteousness? That's a choice. Every day you get up, am I going to, yes or no? Yes no? And when we say yes, we're saying, I love you, Jesus. Do you get that? And, you know, that's, that's a whole other reason. Why does he allow it? Because this is our way to not just say obedience is a way that we show we do love God. Right? Wives. Your husbands say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But Sometimes you say, hey, that's nice, but could you please take out the trash? And basically what you're saying is show it. As Christians, we can say all we want, we love God, but can I tell you? We show it by the way we live. We show it. So that's another reason for a relationship. We show, oh, here's another one. How many guys would ever love to just cold cock the enemy, man, just knock him out. Wouldn't it be cool? Not even have to wait till he gets chucked in the lake of fire at the end of the uh, millennial kingdom after the final rebellion. Wouldn't it be cool? Listen, when you obey God, you show God you love him, and if you will, you get to give an uppercut to the enemy. He says, no, you're the loser. So that's another reason that we want to walk in holiness and obey. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, That's why he's done it. Paul infers that the struggle between the flesh and the spirit will push us to dependence. And dare I say that that's kind of a Christianese word, but that's what we're talking about here tonight. This whole arena right here of the new you created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's given you everything you need for life and Godliness. If you walk and live and keep in step with the spirit, you just walk in dependency, that that's how you are going to live. It's God in you by his spirit through the new you who is pulling it off. That whole mindset is this attitude of dependency. And that's a good thing to learn, Right? It's also a way that we develop our spiritual muscles, I would say, is another reason, right? As you learn to say, ah, no, whew, ah, uh, ah, uh, you're pumping iron, if you will, spiritually, right? Uh resistance, oh, over and over again, every day, yes and no. And obviously, well, I'm trying not to. Thank you. I know, John. I just, you know why I'm wearing baggy clothes. I said this to somebody just the other day. No, just kidding. <laughs> They fit my baggy arms. But anyway, let's continue on. Uh, dependence in being led with the Spirit, for here lies the source of our strength to overcome temptations, our dependence on the power of the Spirit to carry out the law of God. Uh, but you say there uh, are not risks so great that God would do better to eliminate temptations. The answer is no, for testing is the route for approval and growth in the Christian lives. Proving requires test. Testing growth uh, is face, uh, faster in the face of opposition. Uh, great results involve great risk. Testing are God's way of offering us, listen, opportunities for approval and growth. Oh, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Oh, I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus was tempted over and over and over again, and he was tempted by the actual devil himself. I don't know if we've ever had that privilege, if you want to call it that. Okay. Okay. Most likely, he's probably just a demon. I don't think any one of us, myself included, felt big enough attention for the devil himself, but certainly demons. Yet he was without sin, Jesus was. And we don't think that we need to go, no, it's, it's, you're building spiritual muscles. It's for growth. They are a way of Satan's defeat, punch him in the head, and uh, which way we go largely depends on us, not us and of ourselves. It's in the attitude of dependency in the sufficiency and the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. As we read in Paul's letters, no temptation's overtaken us. We already saw that. God always provides a way of escape. Is your next blank there? A way of escape when temptation comes into our lives. So how do we react? Well, here's three things. Very quickly. uh, And he says this. Number one, be alert and perceptive. We already saw that, that Peter says be sober and alert. The blank there says this. Satan is constantly looking for a time of weakness and drowsiness in our lives to make us fall. Okay, gotcha. That's why you're in a battlefield mentality. I've given this analogy before, but if you're in the jungles of Vietnam and Charlie's all around you, what are you doing? What's your attitude? You know, you're not, hey, I got a disco ball going. Hey, yeah, hey. You, yeah, thank you. That's why. And that's what he says spiritually every day. He's out to get you. Methodia. You better pay attention. Okay, that's, be sober. He's looking for a time when you're just la, 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 la. You know, I just, I just want to go veg. I just want to go, you know, excuse me, pay attention. Mm, anyway, we'll continue on. Uh, we must not only be on the alert, but perceptive to discern the schemes of the devil. This only comes when we have our minds sharpen by the constant training from the word of God. The psalmist says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, yield to the spirit's power. That's what we were talking about. Number two, this whole thing here uh, tonight. It's important that when we are in the midst of the temptation, we remember where our power to overcome the temptation comes from. It's from God. The Spirit of God is inside of us as a born-again Christian. And I have made a new creature in Christ, and I want to obey. The good news is he's given me the ability to obey. Walk in it. That's what that word, if you will, breaking it down, yield means. Okay, That's where the power comes from. Paul tells us in Galatians, but I say, walk by the Spirit. You'll not carry out the desire of the flesh, the old you. But Paul struggled with falling to temptation early in his Christian walk, but he gained the victory when he what? When he realized, if you will, the missing doctrine. The third P is what's going on there. This is what he says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you what? Always recovering? No, sets you free from the law of sin and death. You don't have to anymore. In the midst of temptation, the power of the indwelling spirit will give us victory. Victory will give us victory when we admit our inability to resist by ourselves and yield to God's power to carry us through. And finally, this one's obvious, and this is what we're gonna close on tonight. Flee. You itching better? Wrong kind of flee, buddy. This means get out of there, Ruth. Okay, flee the situation. Okay, in some situations, the wisest advice is to flee. Run the situation. This is the advice that Paul gave the Corinthians when he told them to flee from idolatry. Okay, he also told Timothy to flee, get out of there from youthful lust. Don't even go there. Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife is a perfect example of this when she uh, attempted to seduce him. And so what he do? He stuck around. Let me tell you the 19 reasons why I should not be doing this and went, you no. Know. he got out of there. If you're in a situation where temptation to sin can be fled from, do so. Get out of there. Just turn around, go. Finally, there are situations where an object, listen to this one, an object or a relationship may be tempting us to sin. Bad company corrupts good character, okay? Charles Ryrie uh, explains, Dr. Ryrie, a resource which a believer has in some temptation situation is to listen, undermine this, destroy that which may become an instrument of a means of sin. All right, the principle stated in Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh, the old Jew, to fulfill the lust thereof. Not providing for the flesh, may mean getting rid of certain things in life which create a temptation to sin. I call it spring cleaning. What's in your house right now that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ? Get rid of it. Flee. It's your house, so don't leave the house and say, well, I guess I'm living on the streets now. No, you have it leave the house flee, get rid of it, okay, is what he says, another resource which the believer may use to help him overcome temptation is good company, okay, flip it around, that means also stay away from bad company, yes, but I'm just uh, in this bar witnessing to these folks, that's great, but if you got a problem with drinking, that's probably not the best thing for you to do right now, okay, wait until you understand the victory we have in Jesus Christ, maybe go back in there, I'm not against that, but half the time, that's really not what's going on, okay, It's just a rationalization, okay? He continues on. He says, uh, uh, after advising Timothy to flee youthful lust, Paul adds, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, or love, peace uh, with all them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Good companions can help prevent temptation taking the wrong course. The Proverbs put it this way. He who walks with wise men becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm, okay? When we have been given the resources for victory, and we have, If we will only choose uh, to walk in obedience to God's law and dependence on his spirit. We don't have to, okay? Now, I'm gonna close with a story and a video, getting high tech tonight, if I can pull it off, Uh, that kind of deals with this last part. And and there's kind of three things going on kind of wrapped up into this, okay? I wanna make it practical for you. Flee from temptation. Don't flirt with it, okay? Uh, Pay attention, get rid of anything, okay? Uh, Get rid of any instrument, Okay, that could be causing uh, temptation, okay? And then finally, uh, good company to bring you up versus if you want to flip it around, bad company that can bring you uh, down, okay? Now, uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that uh, after service, you guys are gonna uh, have a pool, uh, put some cash in together, and the first person within one week, because you have to have time to do this, one week who can actually recreate and decipher what in the world I just wrote up there, uh, And we'll donate that to the Youth Camp Fund. But that's what I'm talking about. I can't even see it. Flee. Get rid of the instrument. Causing temptation. Good company versus bad company. All wrapped up into this. And uh, I need some theme music though. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Because I have to get this out of the way. Keep going. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, all right, perfect timing, that's right. Here's the story, then we'll end with a video clip. And remember, it's flee, get rid of the instrument, good company, bad company. Here's what he says. He said, a few months before I was born, this is a guy, he said, my dad met a stranger who was new to our small Tennessee town and uh, from the beginning, dad was fascinated with this uh, enchanting newcomer and soon invited him to come live with our family. And the stranger, he quickly accept- was quickly accepted and was around to welcome me in the world just a few months later. As I grew up, I never questioned his place in our family. Uh, In my young mind, each member had a special niche. My brother, Bill, five years my senior, was my example. Fran, my sister, gave me the opportunity to play big brother and develop the art of teasing. My parents were complimentary instructors. Mom taught me to love the word of God and dad taught me to obey it. But the stranger was our storyteller. He could weave the most fascinating tales, adventures and mysteries and comedies were daily conversations. He could hold our whole family spellbound for hours each evening. If I wanted to know about politics or history or science, he knew it all. He knew about the past, he understood the present, and, and seemingly could predict the future. The pictures he could draw were so lifelike that I would often laugh or cry as I watched him. He was like a friend to the whole family. In fact, he took dad, Bill, and, and me to our first major league uh, baseball game, and he was always encouraging us to see the movies, and he even made arrangements to introduce us to several movie stars. My brother and I were deeply impressed with John Wayne in particular. Uh, The stranger, though, was an incessant talker, okay? Dad didn't seem to mind, but sometimes mom would quietly get up while the rest of us were enthralled with one of his stories about a faraway place and go to her room and read her Bible and pray. And I wonder now if she prayed that the stranger would leave. You see, my dad ruled our household with certain moral convictions, but this stranger never felt obligated to honor them. Profanity, for example, was not allowed in our house, not from us, not from our friends or adults. Our long-time visitor, though, however, used occasional four-letter words that burned my ears that made my dad squirm. To my knowledge, the stranger was never confronted. My dad was a, a, a teetotaler, and he did not permit alcohol in his home, not even for cooking. But the stranger felt like we needed exposure and enlightened us to other ways of life. He offered us beer and made other alcoholic beverages uh, often, and he offered them to us, and he, he made cigarettes look tasty and cigars manly and pipes distinguished him. He talked freely, much too freely about sex and his comments were sometimes blatant, sometimes suggestive and generally embarrassing. I I know that my early concepts of man-women relationships were influenced by the stranger and as I look back, I, I believe it was the grace of God that the stranger did not influence me more. Time after time, he opposed the values of my parents yet he was seldom rebuked and he was never asked to leave. More than 30 years have passed since the stranger moved in with my young family on Morningside Drive. He, he's not nearly so intriguing to my dad as he was in those early years, but if you were to, talk to uh, uh, walk into my parents' den today, you would still see him sitting over in a corner waiting for somebody to listen to him talk and watch him draw his pictures. His name, we always just called him TV. Flee, get rid of the instrument, that's bad company. To deal with temptation. Because this is, in essence, what's going on. We'll close after this exciting video clip. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Television
1: look at me 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 no don't look over there there's nothing to look at over there look at me look at me look at me are you looking at me is everybody looking at me do I have everyone's attention don't get the wrong idea I'm not trying to take over your life you need what what do you need what do you need you need to what go to the bathroom fine get up go to the bathroom come back look at me you need what you need you need to get something to eat fine get up go to the kitchen get something to eat come back look at me you need to what 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 sleep Sleep? Fine! Get up! Go to bed! Go to sleep! Get up! Come back! Look at me! Okay, so, we have an agreement. You will do what you absolutely have to do, and when you're done, you will come back and look at me. Don't worry about your schedule. I am here for you. I am here for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, I am here for you. I am here for you. You need me, I'm here. Fair and foul, thick and thin, I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad, you tell them that I am here for you. 24 hours. fair and foul, thick and thin. I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad. (laughs) You know what it sounds like to me? Sour grapes. You see what I? No, 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 no! Don't look over there. There's nothing to look at over there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I've got stuff you wouldn't believe. Danger, sex, action, death, thrills, comedy—all here, all in the next eight minutes. Can you believe it? You can't believe it. You can't believe it. It's unbelievable. You can't believe it because it's unbelievable. It's a miracle. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Look 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 at me.
0: Pastor Billy, I just don't have time to pray. I'd love to witness, but I just, I, I just the uh, schedule, I just, I'm just so tired. I, I Man, I've been, uh, every New Year's I set that thing, I'm going to read the Bible more and it just never happens. Who are you looking at? Looking at me? Or are you looking at he? You want to deal with temptation? Get rid of the bad company the stranger you will find you have so much time to do all the things that are for our good and great things can take place for Jesus Christ if we would just deal with temptation amen let's pray well hi this is pastor billy Crone of sunrise baptist church and i hope you enjoyed today's study but before you go let me ask you one final question are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven
1: Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702 452 or email us at b.crohn at com, or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.